Welcome along to Gamers Uncensored episode 12. I am your host, Ringer, and today I'm joined by my lovely co-host, UC. Hey, how's it going? And today we are joined by uh, League of Legends coach, Johnny Weatherly. Hey. Welcome along, Johnny, to our little old podcast. Thank you for joining us today. How you been? Yeah, good. Good, good. Just got rained on, um, which is a lovely way to start the day. (laughs) But you're dry now, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Didn't just run in quickly from the rain. I thought about it. I thought about it. I was like, no, no, I'll go dry off quickly. So you got rained on. So uh, it's not raining here quite yet. We were recording in uh, Wellington, and it never rains in New Zealand, as we all know. So um, you must be in Australia. Yeah, yeah, in uh, sunny old Brisbane. Hey, uh, my um, partner's, or oh, almost my sister-in-law, is um, over in Australia. I don't think she, I think she's in Brisbane. God, I don't even know. It's I a big place. Check. It's easy to lose. Uh, come on, Ranga. Surely you know her. Um, <laughs> it's not like New Zealand. There's not just two <laughs> villages. That's actually a good one. I haven't heard it, um, New Zealand put it that way. What, two villages? Yeah, or two islands, two villages. Oh, true. Nah, there's no South Island. It's a myth. Ooh. <laughs> so, Johnny, League of Legends coach, mm. and give us a little bit more of a rundown. Well, I mean, we've got to talk to you a little bit about like your, your coaching and stuff, but tell us a little bit more how you got into gaming. Oh, man. You want to go all the way back? All the way back. We're starting at the way beginning. Back. Okay. Okay. So, I think the very beginning is when I was like six or seven. And um, unfortunately, my youngest sister was really sick as a child. She's totally fine now, but she was quite sick as a child. She spent a lot of time in hospital. And so my parents' emergency plan for if they couldn't come get me from school would be that I had a friend I would go home with and he had a PlayStation. And so I used to sometimes go to his house and would just play various games on his PlayStation. I don't even remember what, but he just used to beat me at everything because he you know, he had it and he could play all the time and I played maybe like once a week. So I'm pretty sure like the rest of my gaming career has been trying to make up for getting beaten over and over <laughs> as a six-year-old. Can you beat him now? Uh, I actually, we went to primary school together and then I moved, so I haven't talked to him for like 15 years. Oh. <laughs> so I have no idea how he's going. I hope he's fine. We're going to track him down and we can have um, that rematch. <laughs> 1v1 yeah, him. <laughs> yeah, true. Asterix and Obelisk, PlayStation 1, let's go. Oh my God. Wow, yeah. that is a throwback. Yeah. And then after that, I just played a lot of MMOs as a kid. A lot of RuneScape, a lot of MapleStory. Um, and hey, so, RuneScape. I'm playing that. Yeah. Nice. You're an old school? Or old school. school. Yeah, okay. I've, I've always enjoyed the old school RuneScape. The new one just was didn't feel right. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm too attached to my um, original account, so I play new school. But, Whoa, um, how long have you no, had your account for? Uh, more than 15 years. Wow. Yeah. It's, Ooh. I didn't make it, like, I, I lost the account that I made in Classic when that was what came out, but I oh, did yeah. have an account in that, um, and then I made a new one, like, maybe in, like, 2004 or five or something, so. I remember playing RuneScape back in school, way. Eh? Yeah. Then the <laughs> like, schools had to during ban class. it. Yeah, yeah, during <laughs> class. Uh, but they had to ban it because everyone was, like, on it. On, honestly, the community uh, on Old School RuneScape is so refreshing. It's so welcoming and like I've had so much help. People come up to you like, do you need a hand? And I'm like, I'm not used to this. I'm used to being told that I suck at the game. So it's, 
honestly, old school RuneScape is really refreshing to play at the moment. Yeah, I think um, the whole RuneScape community in general, the whole MMO, you know, unless you're doing like super high level raids or on WoW or something, I think most people are pretty chill because that's what they play to chill out. Yeah, yeah, it seems like a way more chill game, right, than Siege. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. How long have you been playing League of Legends? Uh, since season one. Yeah. Oh wow! Cool yeah, yeah. Season... I was playing StarCraft, um, yeah. and then I had a friend who said, "Oh, this is a new new game that's come out. Uh, it's kind of fun." So I gave that a go. And that new game was was League of Legends, but I found it like way too complicated. So I just played three v threes on Twisted Treeline. Yeah. For like a year, and I only played Alistar and Tristana because they were you get them for free. And... So Alistar, does that mean you're a bit more of a support main? Uh, I wasn't at the time. Yeah. Uh, but I did turn into one a couple of years later. Yeah. Okay. And you're still support now? I'm okay. pretty much equally washed up with everything now. <laughs> <laughs> I love the sound of that. Washed up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got a severe case of coach hands, um, which is what happens when you prioritize other things <laughs> and don't play. <laughs> yeah. You see. Listen carefully now. I know. I'm taking notes right now. <laughs> Digging into a bit of league stuff, what is your favorite role in the game? Um, to play, probably still support. I just think you get to think about the game so differently to the other roles. Like a lot of the other roles are just about um, doing a good job collecting resources and then staying alive or killing a particular target in team fights. So they're like, there's a lot of mechanical demands, um, but the, the nature's of the problems that you're solving from game to game and from even from like moment to moment in the game don't change that much you know if you play a, a game as an ad carry you pretty much know how the game's going to go it's just a question of how much damage you're going to do while you're solving those problems whereas support because you're responsible for um you bring most of the early game base damage in lane um, and you also are responsible for a lot of the vision you're, you're trying to think about the game in a slightly more abstract way and you need to be much more responsive to the situations that are arising, you know, as objectives come up and, you know, thinking about where the enemy team is deploying. So I feel like there's like a lot of depth there. And that's what's interesting to me as a, as a player. Is the support role something that you think a new person should be getting into when they first pick up the game? To be honest, I'd say if you're pretty new to the game, you should try and like have one character for every role because the game, the game is so complicated that if you only play one role early on, I think it actually makes it really hard to understand the game because there'll be th there'll be things that happen at 20 minutes in the game that you have no context for. Like you don't understand why the the enemy top laner is just like one shotting everyone, or <laughs> why the enemy jungler is like two levels up, or you know like th there'll be things yeah. like that 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 you because you haven't played the role, you'll have no context for like what you in your main role, say as a support player, can do to influence the other roles. So I think actually. It, like if you were new to the game but really serious about getting good i'd say have like one champion you get comfortable on for each different lane so you know one for top one for jungle one for mid one for ad carry one for support and that'll give you a much better idea of how the game works and then you can branch out within those as you decide you want to try more champions that's actually so, really good advice because i'm yeah. trying to learn to play lol myself and at the moment i take bottom ash main um yeah a... And it's nice and simple, right? But you probably don't have a lot of idea, a lot of an idea of what's going on, like mid lane or top lane. I have no idea, space, right? especially yeah. watching the low uh, tournament at the moment, the uh, worlds. 
uh they play completely different to how i'm learning like everyone is in their lane and then on like the worlds they do that but they do it so fast and efficient and then they start grouping together and working as a team that that goes over my head but that uh, kind of simplifies it a bit more yeah i think the most important thing when when you're dealing with a game that's as as complex with this so there's so many things to know you know just like there's 150 plus champions however many items you know and then they all have skills and and all that other stuff like you just need to get exposure to it so that your brain can start organizing the information although i'd say at some point it is worth specializing like you don't want to be a generalist forever i suppose with having lots of uh, well one champion per role uh you kind of get yourself out of that point where if you if your role gets taken then you can i mean because you won't be doing uh solo queue um, and selecting your uh, mm. role in advance um, you have an option of doing a whole bunch of different roles. Yeah, yeah, it definitely protects you from getting a role taken. Uh, the main reason I'm suggesting it really is just that um, each champion you play adds complexity. Like, you know, each each champion yeah. has different timings that they're strong, different, their kits feel different, they want to build different items. You know, so each time you do that, you know, if there's a, say there's 40 champions that can be played in your lane. So say you're playing mid lane. And there's like 40 champions that could theoretically be played, maybe like 15 of them that are common. If you play one champion, you need to learn somewhere between 15 and 40 matchups if you want to be well. Every time you add a champion, that number increases by that much <laughs> again, right? So if you have two champions, now you need to know 30 to 80 matchups. And then if you add a third one, now you have 45 to, you know, 120 matchups. Like that number gets really big really fast. Yeah, um, and it can be quite confusing for new people. Yeah, and you just want to be able to yeah. have a chance to do something a few times to get a good feel for it, right? Because, like, one game, you might think, oh, this matchup's super hard, and then you realize the other person just has really good, like, fundamentals. And actually, once you get fundamentals as good, the matchup is fine. So you kind of want a larger sample size than just one for each of those matchups as well. So you can see very quickly you get a very large number of games that needs to be played to even understand one role with a small champion pool. So who's your favorite champion? Or... I am a big Thresh fan. <laughs> oh my yeah. god! <laughs> yeah, just just to play, I love playing Thresh. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of old school, but yeah, I think I think Thresh is probably the the go to. If you know how to play him well, he's super annoying. Oh yeah, yeah. I basically um <laughs> when I when I first climbed to Diamond, I basically just would all in people at level two every game. <laughs> I didn't know how to play the game. I just, <laughs> just I just it. I just got really good at level two all ins. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, so when did you actually get it started getting involved in coaching uh league? Yeah, so uh, for those who don't know my context is that I uh, coached trampolining because I was also a trampoline athlete for several years when I was a teenager. So I kind of transferred that coaching skill over to league in about two thousand and fourteen, I think, which is shortly after I had Diamond for the first time. And I my friends got really sick of me telling them how to play the game and I decided <laughs> I needed somewhere else to take that energy so I just started offering coaching for free through like Facebook groups and stuff um, and it seemed pretty popular so I did it more wow back in 2014 as well like this was yeah. way before you know people were starting to really think about uh, high performance or the notion of actually having that education behind getting better and this is just something that I've noticed fairly recently um is a lot more coaches coming out of the woodwork there's also websites about coaching you for certain games not just league in particular but back in 2014 it was 
relatively fresh back then. Yeah, that was when um, I think I was quite fortunate that someone put together a website called Lead Coaching yeah. GG or something, which I don't think even exists anymore. But um, <laughs> they they announced that like around when I started offering coaching. And so I happened to kind of just be lucky enough to get be one of the first people to get my foot through the door on that and build up a you know some reviews. And so that was where I got a lot of my private coaching from. I'm not sure about how long people have been thinking about like high performance league coaching in Oceania. I know when I was doing coaching in 2014, that was like the North American LCS and the European LCS were starting to get coaches like that year and maybe the year before. So there were some people who were doing it full time, but there was not much of a, of a, not many opportunities over here in Oceania um, at that point in time for team coaches anyway. Yeah. And, and I mean, comparing it to physical sports where they have, coaches for different roles uh, and then obviously a, a head coach uh, mm. is this a similar kind of model with league uh, where there's maybe a different coach for and I mean we're talking about some of the, the maybe the bigger teams not potentially like the teams out of uh, well the OPL but are there different coaches for different roles or is there just a, a head coach how, how does that kind of work for people that don't understand that yeah, it's, it's a good question. Um, I'm not entirely sure how things are run like over overseas where there's lots of money. My understanding is that there are probably at least a few teams that are doing that. I'm not sure if it's everyone or just a few. I actually did have a team in 2018 where we were running that setup because the reality is I only picked a diamond. I've never been a challenger player and I know that I don't have as much game knowledge in some of the roles as other people. So to help the players that I was working with at the time when I was on Tectonic in Split 1, we actually went and found a whole bunch of players who specialized in each of those roles and got them to work as coaches with our, with our pro team. I got a lot of flame for that from various people when we announced it. They were kind of going, oh, that's ridiculous. Like, you don't need that many people. I don't know if I was ready to manage that, that many people, you know, because I was, I was responsible for all the players. There's five of them, plus like four position coaches. So suddenly that goes from being a pretty manageable group of people to like a pretty big group of people. And so I don't know if I did the best job with that. It's interesting that you yeah. got um, a little bit of backlash for that because, I mean, again, comparing it to a traditional sport where there are that many sort of coaches, but people found yeah, that yeah. not transferable for some reason. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> probably the wrong person to ask because I still think it was a good idea. So, I still think that's a great idea, to be honest. Yeah, like behind you, I think, on that one. <laughs> um, well, like especially like for me, I play a lot of Rainbow Six Siege, mm -hmm. and we play by roles as well. So you have like your support, your hard support, and then like your flex and uh, hard reach, or sorry, entry. So mm -hmm. it is really different. Like it would be the similar situation in a lot of different roles. Uh, having an expert in each role really does help build them up. And it may not work the first time, but over time it'll be like the long run play it will eventually work in my opinion so definitely support you on that one yeah it might it might just be the reality of you know at that point in time um almost nobody almost no pro players in oceania were signing contracts that were more than a year in length it's kind of hard to have a setup where you're investing in players for the long term because you don't know if they'll be playing for you next year and because the contract expires it's not even like you'll be able to get a buyout you know, on that investment. So I think that some of, maybe some of the um, more systemic factors make it harder for that kind of setup to, to make sense to invest in. I'm not sure. Just want to shift a little bit to 
your real life. You're also an IT change manager? Yeah, well, I, so I, I'm a change manager mm-hmm. for a software company. Fantastic. So How do you... sometimes that means IT projects, sometimes that means other stuff. How do you find that fits in with your coaching? Because that's a relatively big position to be filling for a full-time gig. And then you also coach as well. Would you say that you coach full-time? No, 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 no. The, the coaching is very on the side. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The change manager is my full-time role. Do you eventually want to be a coach full-time? Um, not at this point in time. Uh, I, you know, I did that for, for two years uh, yeah. after I moved over to Australia in 2017, working in OPL. And it was pretty hard work. And I'm not afraid of hard work, but it didn't feel like it was very rewarding. It felt like the, the effort I put in, that like the results didn't end up reflecting that. And it was pretty poorly paid. <laughs> so <laughs> I quite like being able to have a nice apartment and buy nice food and go out and hang out with my friends and have the time to do those things as well. Maybe there's a world where someone says to me, hey, we've got a setup where you're not working like 80, 90 hours a week. You know, you can just do do your thing and coach. But I, I think what I've become more interested in recently is not how do I teach one person how to play the game or even how do I teach five people? It's like, how do I teach or how, how do I support, you know, 10 coaches to teach 100 players? You know, like how do we scale that knowledge? Like how do we actually create like, like an ecosystem where players are being invested in from really early on and where coaches um, have opportunities to work with players and, and get paid. And so I'm kind of trying to think about like a systems approach to improving Oceania as a whole, not just like whatever person happens to have 30 bucks in an hour to spend with me. Does that make yeah. sense? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. I think that's really interesting that you say that because, again, it kind of ties into maybe the more educational side of esports. And again, not just with leagues, but with any competitive game being able to use that classroom approach maybe more to it where or you know taking from what traditional sports are doing you are having it in schools and universities and then academies that go beyond tertiary education for the separate areas of esports so that you know mm-hmm. can include playing production coaching casting that kind of thing so yeah i i definitely see where you're coming from with that and it's interesting that you mentioned that might have something in the works on the side, but I can't talk about it. <laughs> I'll expect my NDA in the mail. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I could, we can talk later. But, um, Check your I mean, emails, it's already there. <laughs> <laughs> my lawyer will be in contact. How has your, your sports coaching that you mentioned before, I'm just keen to dig into that a little bit more, how has that transferred into the esports side of things? Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a super, super interesting topic. So I'm actually... Um, studying a sports coaching postgraduate certificate at University of Queensland at the moment. Oh, wow. Um, which <laughs> is very, very part-time, like one one paper or one course, depending on yep. which part of Oceania you're from per semester. So it's like super chill. But that has been aw- awesome to kind of like help actually tie in some of my ideas about coaching that I've had for a long time from both coaching trampolining and, and coaching league together with some theory rather than just seeing stuff that works and doesn't work. Because when I did trampolining, the, the, the reality of that sport is, you know, in competition, you get up, you do 10 skills in a row and you get off the trampoline and 
if everything has gone to plan, it's gone exactly like it did in training. There's no, ideally no variability. You know, there's no one interfering with the trampoline. You know, it's not like a, a game of rugby or, or, or league or whatever, where the other people competing against you actually get to do things to you, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So the advantage of working in trampolining was that because it's so narrowly focused, the entire sport is about skill acquisition in, in the sense of like, we're trying to learn how to do a new uh, trick people in trampoline don't call it tricks but you know that's, that's that would be the common term so you're trying to learn how to do a backflip you're trying to learn how to do a front flip with a 180 you know that kind of thing and so you're just very focused on what are the process what is the process someone needs to go through to move from not knowing how to do it to being able to do it i think that as a coach that is probably like the thing that i bring um to, to league of legends coaching that i'm really super familiar with the stages of that process i can help people move through it so if they get stuck we can unstick them we can make sure that you know effectively that they're like good at learning how to do things in the game the downside of coming from a trampoline background is it's an individual sport and people don't interfere with you so i came into league coaching with quite a like quite a structured like oh the game is going to go like this and then what what would happen is that my teams would just inevitably find that we'd get three minutes into the game and things would have deviated from the plan <laughs> And then everything that I told them was useless. So <laughs> that was kind of like a bit of a learning curve for me to wrap my head around the fact that A, there's team dynamics, which not only affect, you know, you need to be able to communicate because in trampolining, I don't have to communicate with anyone. You just get up and do your routine. So people needed to learn. I needed to learn how to coach communication. And I also needed to learn how to coach culture, which is kind of like how people feel about each other and how they behave separately to how they communicate. Although sometimes communication is involved. So those were both like super steep learning curves for me. Um, and probably if I'd come from, I mean, I did, I did play a bit of team sport in high school as well, but not anywhere near the level that I did trampolining. I think if I hadn't done trampolining, I would maybe have found that easier, but I wouldn't have been as good with the skill acquisition stuff. So Interesting that you mentioned how people react as well to their, well, yeah, their environment. So how people play with each other how people interact with their opponent, their teammate, mm. that kind of thing is actually really important to the wider sort of getting better or mm. improving oneself that, that people don't really realize. And I come from a, a high-performance sport background as well. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I always struggled with is how to be, how to not let things get to you or mm. Mm. how to deal with emotion. There, That's probably a better way of saying it. How right, so you're talking about that, like, psychology angle. The psychology of it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And a lot, I don't think there's many places, especially, like, in, in traditional sports, there's not as, there's still not enough, but it's, especially in esports, there's not many places that teach these younger kids how to deal with these emotions of, of winning, of losing, of dealing with people that might not be as good as you or might be better than you and are doing better or worse whatever mm. and that's what we need more of to help these guys yeah well i think it's hard because i think a lot of that a lot of those like um coping skills and emotional uh, intelligence etc it's things that you develop often once you're out of your teens you know i mean obviously people have got a lot of them by the time they're in their teens but you know you see especially especially for the, the you know the majority of people you see playing competitive um, either amateur or pro, or you know, is are males. I'm yeah. not going to get into why that is because I think um, I think we could do with some more girls. But 
that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, yeah. But the reality <laughs> is, it's mostly guys, and it's mostly young guys. And guys, uh, the parts of their brain that are responsible for emotions tend to develop slower. And yeah. sometimes you know, your brain's not finished developing until you're like thirty. If you you know for those things, so there are there are almost no coaches who are working in the space where even the coaches are old enough to have that stuff developed, let alone the players. So and it's really hard to find those people, right? And that's why there's not that many, is because hard to uh, find coaches who do that. Yeah, well, the ones that are old enough at that stage in their lives that they can recognize that a player might need a little bit of help with that emotional intelligence. And also, like, they are very good with their, their gameplay and teaching that side of things as well. Yeah, well, you have to think about who would have been 20, you know, 10 years ago, or 25, or even 30, 10 years ago, and also had enough time to play the game to get to, like, top 5% yeah. in the oh, game. There's almost nobody on the planet. And also the game changes as well. So you're yeah. very quickly as well. So it's, um, it, you know, even if, so, I mean, you were talking about before we started that, oh, well, saying that you're on season one and uh, likewise, I was around sort of from season four-ish, but mm. my, then I took a bit of a break and then all that game knowledge has changed. Mm -hmm. So even if I could have been teaching someone at season four, if you take that break, yeah. then that game knowledge has changed. And essentially, I like you can teach the basics, but you can't teach the up-to-date kind of gameplay that's happening then when you come back. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Because they patch the game so often, the game, uh, and, the rule change and your knowledge expires. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, again, that's going to limit the amount of people that we get coaching into this. Yeah. I mean, if you just think about, like, I, mean, I don't know how old you are, but if you think about, like, someone who's in their 30s, is probably not going to want to spend a lot of time playing the game, thinking about the game, and you know, doing all that just so they can coach. So I just think it's hard to get, there's probably just not many people yet who have like developed enough to be able to provide that like emotional support that you were talking about and also be useful from a, from a gameplay coaching perspective. I mean, I think even, you know, I mean, I, I coach at the pro level and i'd say like my knowledge is mostly expired like what if, a lot of what i do now is what you say like teaching the basics like i just get people to focus on stuff um that's just like how to trade how to last it you know how to like think about the game in a way that gets them to show up for the right objective so and i'm, I'm only 25 and it's just like i just don't have the energy to spend you know 30 hours a week watching vods which yeah. is what i used to do i i, I think we're we're about the same age here and uc is um as well I'm finding this really right. interesting uh, <laughs> listening to this. I'm getting lost in just listening to it because um, for myself, um, I've, I'm struggling between wanting to still be a player and moving into coaching. Uh, I've done a bit of coaching, but the reason why I stopped is because I still wanted to be a player and I still have the skills to be a player. And so I'm just taking this all in. It's actually quite refreshing to um, hear someone else's take on all this as well, especially on the coaching side. Mm. Well, I guess I'd just say... It's a game. You can always be a player, but it's about how good you want to be. Yeah, trying to be a player at the because I still like. Um, currently, I'm just in the middle, uh, wanting to. Because I I just left the team currently with a few things happened. Uh, this with the coaching side, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's it's one of those things. Like if I want to continue, I have to put definitely put more hours into the game because currently my current level i'm playing quite high or do i just move over to coaching still enjoy the game and still and like 
to start in my coaching role which i do i enjoy every role really that's mm. what the struggle is but i can't do it all yeah. one thing i tell a lot of people when they ask me what i do and i explain that i used to play quite competitive halo a long mm -hmm. time ago is <laughs> that, that would be a long time ago <laughs> it was yeah that you know i i enjoyed it but i realized the time to move on was sooner rather than later and get a career still in the industry or start building a career in the industry and then still enjoy it mm. because you can actually have a really big impact even if you aren't playing actually you can have more than a, a big impact you can actually still become someone um, bigger than a player um, by doing other things so a coach the coach from the um for fanatic uh, dizzle for siege um he has had one of the biggest impacts for apac region and helping development um for players to get better and into like stronger teams and just trying to make pathways for people mm -hmm. and he's like he has been a player before but he's made a name for himself coaching and just helping the development for apac region pathways is so important eh? Mm. like you've got to mm. go from school to you actually you've got to go from pre uh before school so from like you're saying you started at age at six you see you probably when i was born when you were born <laughs> yeah um you know you've got to actually have those pathways going up school uni amateur semi-pro pro and i mean i can speak for some of the games in oceana we just don't have that mm. i think it's a it's a lot of work putting those pathways together and i think it's a pretty thankless job totally. um, you know for the for the tournament <laughs> admins and you know for people like if you want to manage a team properly you actually probably need to invest a lot of time in just like keeping tabs on people's emotions doing timetables organizing practice like even kind of outside of the actual coaching bit um just all the other stuff it's like a lot of effort so you get you know in traditional sports a lot of the time that work is picked up effectively by parents or perhaps by like teachers at schools um to get people through the first you know 20 years of their life but yeah. in esports i mean if you said to a, if you said to a parent even if they were supportive of their child playing the game if you said to them you know how would you get involved to support them they probably have no idea oh man i can't even remember what i was watching but I, oh it might have been um one of the documentaries uh that had double lift in it and he was saying that his parents didn't understand it until he started playing professionally and he was like on tv and that and then they're like yeah. oh oh wow this is actually really big and then they were able to support him yeah well double lift situation was pretty was it was pretty a pretty good. tough spot and, and he also tried to go pro like kind of at the very 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 beginning of na lcs right so it wasn't like there was an established league that he could point to and say hey i'm working towards this mm. because he, he like went pro as that was created so i think his situation was exceptionally difficult uh, he was lucky he had uh, travis to couch surf with i think <laughs> yeah so you mentioned that you're coaching a team uh did you want to talk a little bit more about who you're coaching and how that's going yeah sure so i'm not working with a pro team um it's actually a, an organization called lo-fi esports and we basically have three teams, one for silver players, one for gold players, and one for platinum players. So those are pretty like middle of the road skill level. You know, they're not, I mean, platinum's starting to get up there. 
you know, top 20% maybe. But these are not exceptional players at the moment by any means. Um, and what we do is we have a setup where we aim to have 10 players per rank bracket. So 10 silver players, 10 gold players, 10 platinum players. And what that lets us do is run in-house training rather than only practicing by either having them play Black Secure, which is just through the client matchmaking, or having to organize practice with other teams, which um, I have historically been extremely disappointed with the quality of practice available in Oceania through that at every skill level, right yep. from silver right up to pro play. So what we do is we actually do a lot of in-house stuff. So we actually have all 10 silver players or all 10 gold players, or maybe we mix the silver and gold players together. And then we can run a training where instead of just needing to play three games and then review them, we can do things like uh, blitz scrum, which is when you just play the first 15 minutes and then you close out of the game and play the same draft again for 15 minutes. And you do that, you know, you can fit like three or four of those in an hour. And it means the players can get really, really, really good at understanding why that particular set of team comps works that way. So it lets the players go through, oh, we made that mistake at 10 minutes into the game. You know, we shouldn't have tower dived. Now we're going to play the same game again, but we're not going to make that mistake. We get to see how the game plays out if we do something different. And that has been awesome for seeing the the level of understanding of the game that these players have developed in the last few months. I mean, they're still, you know, they're, they're still slowly climbing through the ranks. And I, I suspect that some of the stuff we're teaching doesn't translate to solo queue but i suspect that if they you know the whole idea is if they go into competitive play down the road if they eventually hit platinum or diamond they'll be much 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 better equipped to think about the game in a competitive setting um and we have had a few players promote we've had a couple of players promote from silver to gold a couple of players from gold to platinum and we've even had one player go from platinum to diamond so oh, you know nice. there are players you know there are players who are improving uh, in, in the solo queue rank as well and it's just like a lot of fun because We've got a pretty good, pretty good group of players, and they're all really keen to learn, and um, so it's super fun to organise training for them. So, if people are interested in finding out a little bit more about uh, this organisation, where can they find out some more, uh, some more info? Um, they can DM me on Twitter. So my Twitter is at Johnny Weatherly, um, and or they can DM the organisation Twitter, which is at LoFi Esports on Twitter as well. I'm sure awesome. you have all the socials on the podcast and people can click them if that's their thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And definitely encourage people to reach out because it sounds like that's a really great way. And what we were talking about before, kind of like pathways, right? Um, silver, gold, platinum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the whole, the whole premise of the program was really what happens if we take silver players and give them the same quality of training that pro players get. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's always the question, right? It's like, oh, well, the better players get the better training. And I went, okay, so like, like let's science this. <laughs> let's let's take the good training methods and apply them to the average skill level player and see what happens. And I have learned so much about the the kinds of things that, it, that make it hard for people to climb and to improve. And a lot of them have really surprised me. What's the top reason that you find people have difficulty climbing? They... The top reason, or I mean, there's a few, but I want to say probably that most people are really, really, really focused on the outcome of the game. So you got to think about, you know, in a League of Legends game, there's 10 players, five on each team. You are one of them. And if we assume that the amount of uh, like impact each person can have on the game is equal on average, that means each player is responsible for 10% of the outcome in the game. 
And I think that's a really hard thing for people to wrap their head around. The fact that they're sitting in a game, you know, and they're playing their heart out. And the reality is that 90% of the outcome, more or less, is out of their control. Yeah. And you know, I don't think a lot of people realize that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you think, you know, you can do the math and you go, okay, well, say like you're a top laner. So there's you and the enemy top lane. If you do really well, maybe your outcome, on, maybe your impact on the game is now 15% and theirs is five, but it's still only 15%. <laughs> Yeah. which means that you still need to play like a hundred games to get an extra five wins with that. So oh. yeah. Yeah. I know. When you put it like that, it just, yeah. It may, and I mean, I get a bit angry sometimes. I'm fine. I don't know. I only get angry at you. Ouch. <laughs> One, because we haven't played league together yet. Got a hundred percent win rate against Ranger. Yeah. Because we haven't played any games. This is minor details. <laughs> oh, I've lost my train of thought now. I was talking um, about how variance is, is hard for people to wrap their head around. That's right. Yeah. And again, it comes back to that emotional intelligence thing is understanding that what you can, what inf- outcomes you can influence as a whole and what outcomes you can influence as just like an individual. Yeah. Well, the reality is, like, you know, I, I made it sound really bad when I said you got to play 100 games to get five extra wins, but five extra wins is the difference between being silver three and silver two. Yeah. So if you get, you know, if you get 5% extra impact on the game, play 100 games, and you do that again and again and again, each time you're going to go up a tier. The flip side is that actually the game rewards you by helping you climb really quickly if you are winning more than you're losing. But most people get distracted by the fact that their, you know, their day-to-day experience, 90, 90% of the variance being out of your control means that most of the time, if you sit down to play a game on your main account in a rank bracket that is difficult for you, you know, that you that like is where you should be, most of the games are going to be out of your, like, you know, you could, you could easily lose like four games in a row and maybe one of them is your fault. Yeah. And, and obviously you could win four and one of them is your responsibility, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you brought up that that kind of phrase there, their fault. And a lot of people I've talked to around league, they've been like, the blame game is very strong. Mm. They're like, oh, it mm. was my support's fault. It was the jungler's fault, which is the main one that I hear. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, those are the two roles that interact the most with the other roles. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think that's why they get the most blame. And, um, but it's not like it, we shouldn't be people shouldn't be blaming they should be looking at what they can do better rather mm. than dwelling on and i know i've mm. only realized this as i've you know turned 30 um <laughs> is that it, focusing on what you can change and make better like you can't you're not responsible for someone else all the time and you can't always change that mm. Again, I, I wouldn't have said this when I was eighteen. Yeah, that's a, like a super <laughs> mature view of of the of the situation. I mean, the, the, some people go the other way. Some people try to take responsibility for everything, and I actually don't think that's helpful either. Because then oh, you're, absolutely, you, that's just a way to go insane. Because you're saying, "Oh, I should have done X, Y, Z," and like you're you're talking about like, oh, "I should have roamed top to prevent this gank that happened top lane." Exactly. it's like you didn't there's no way you could possibly know that's coming it's an unusual gank timing like you just sometimes you just gotta write stuff off it just be like damn last that was com- unusual last competition i played um in siege one of our teammates he forgot to take one of his skins off so in siege elite skins and certain other skins are not allowed in competition mm-hmm. because of the whole visual can like blend in mm-hmm. um he forgot to take it off and we lost the round instantly for it and we had to rehost. Mm-hmm and he didn't come back from that he was dwelling on it blaming himself and like as much as we tried to like change the pace and all that 
it just got to him and like the mental state it just kind of like he's a really mm. good player but as soon as um he made that mistake it just went downhill from there mentally mm. yeah that's a tough situation i mean that's kind of like a different problem again right that's like when when you do make a mistake how much should it affect you and ideally the answer is like not at all during the game and then you probably process it later but um not everyone has the maturity or mental fortitude or something to to work through it you know at the time so oh. what you've just described is super common man i wouldn't even think that anyone had oh apart from top teams who had who go through quite a lot of training in that to be able to process a loss and then focus on the next level but even I, though the top teams sorry you go would find uh, i was just gonna say some of the top teams would f- still find it hard to be able to process that loss and move on yeah no so what i was going to say was i actually don't think that's a skill that's correlated with game skill at all um you, you get a lot of pro players who are terrible at this you get you, you get players in silver have, who have the most incredible mental yeah. um they're used to losing so they just <laughs> they're like eh, well that's I, mean, fine. I mean if you're stuck in silver your win rate should be like 50 percent, right like that's the that's, definition. that's how being stuck works but yeah the point is i mean no one's actually stuck but you haven't moved for a while <laughs> Um, I'm just waiting for all the angry DMs about people how they don't want to hear from a coach that they're stuck. But the the point the point is that like people can develop like their mentality is a lot more around their values and like their relationship to their own performance. And people probably people who have a good relationship there will tend to become better over time because they think that's if you don't have that, that can be a big stumbling block for improvement. But you could have a good mentality towards your performance and just not have enough time to play or don't know anyone who can help you or don't know where the resources are or you're just bad at skill acquisition for some reason so i think you could i mean it'd be really one of the things that is interesting to me is the idea of finding maybe like platinum players or gold players who have that mentality that we're talking about and then saying to them okay here's how we get good at the game right and then what happens is then you know that they're going to have a really strong mentality when they get to the top level but yeah. it's hard to find people like that it is and i think well, sorry perhaps the thing that people don't realize is to be a top player you need to be a lot of different things so being a good player is one of them being able to be emotionally like mature is another thing being marketable is another and being able to learn is a big one mm. I'm, I'm yeah if sure you want to make these... a career out of it those are important for sure i think there's a I... lot of people who don't actually think about how the career works they don't care about they should care if they want to be a pro but there's, there's a lot of pro players who i know who don't think about their marketability and they don't think about being a good teammate they just want to be the best possible like brain and hands for playing the game that they can be yeah and sometimes that makes them really good but it also makes them really fragile and hard to market well, yeah, from a business kind of view, I wouldn't want to bring on a player who isn't marketable, who goes on Twitter and yells at people who just ask simple questions or whatever. Like, mm. they're just really out there. Mm. That's not, even if they were the best player in the world, and that kind of, like, the thought of Tyler One <laughs> <laughs> is kind of like that, even though he's just been signed. Um, if someone was like that. I mean, and... He is extremely marketable, though. But his 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 brand is not being a clean professional player, right? His thing is being entertaining. Exactly. Um. But he, like, he wouldn't be hired as a just a sole player. He would. He's in there for the the content, which is slightly different to bringing someone on as a pro team. Or it would be for from if I was hiring as a team manager. Mm. 
uh, he was like yeah agreed he's fantastic as the as like a personality but just as a, a player alone i probably wouldn't hire him just for that although don't know how much he's being paid yeah i mean he probably makes a lot more money as an entertainer yeah <laughs> i, I did enjoy the last so. thing that i read about him was he got given a, um, a pc for free the only thing that came with it was if he broke it he brought it he always he breaks a lot of a lot of his gear quite often yeah yeah so they just like there was like their little promotional kind of thing like you can have this pc for free but if you break it you're paying for it it's actually quite a common arrangement for like traditional sports yeah. athletes as well that they get gear and maybe they get to keep it for a year and then give it back but if it gets like stolen or broken then they have to pay for it or have insurance cover it that's quite good especially for pcs because you know that changes relatively mm. frequently yeah. And being able to send back your old PC, you don't have to worry about uh, selling it or, you know, breaking it down for parts, changing it over, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. So, all right. Moving back to kind of like the, the pro level conversation there, Johnny, uh, what are your thoughts on the OPL finishing up? I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> it's been pretty obvious. Well, I don't know. Hindsight's 2020. I have been saying to people for a while now that I felt like the league was not making enough money. And as I saw the players, like the, the stipends that were being given to teams reduced, uh, which happened at the start of last year, I believe, I could kind of see that was the direction we were heading. I didn't think that actually just completely shut it down. But the, the decreased investment from Riot does not surprise me. Um, you know, it's an expensive thing to run. And for whatever reason, they were not able to make it work in terms of uh, revenue. Um, so at some point, someone's going to pull the plug. And with the OPL gone, it's kind of leaving this vacuum in Oceania for professional uh, league esports. What do you think is going to happen in that space now? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, it's going to be really tough because, you know, a lot of people lost their jobs, both working in the broadcast directly and people who were, um, you know, helping run, you know, staff members and teams, players, all that stuff. You know, there's a lot of people with a lot of experience who are probably going to take this as a sign that maybe it's time to hang up their controller and go and do something else so i think that we're probably going to lose a lot of the expertise we've spent a lot of money building up over the last five or six years which is which is tough that's a real um, shame eh? yeah it, it really is i mean not just for the you know for the experiences people are going to go through like losing a job is, is I, mean, I can imagine it's probably quite tough it hasn't you know i've been really lucky that it hasn't happened to me but yeah, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for those people. It's gonna be tough for the region because we're losing, as I said, a lot of a lot of really experienced people, and and the incentives are not going to be there for a lot of people who kind of like would be next on the list to try and do something because there, there isn't a, a stage or a platform for them to either, you know, work behind or work on. I'm sure you know there's like a pretty healthy online amateur scene in Oceania in terms of just like weeknight games, you know, find golds, etc. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that will change, but at the pro level, I have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, I think it probably depends a lot on, you know, I think there's some people working behind the scenes pretty hard to try and figure out a new solution. Um, <laughs> I'm not super involved in that, but I know that there are people putting effort in and, you know, I'm sending them my energy because we do, you know, if we want to do well as a region, we need that. Yeah. And speaking as one of the people actually trying to do something in the background uh, around more professional level tournament competitions mm -hmm. and hopefully we've got something in place for next year it, it is really difficult because without guidance from riot who are not as i mean obviously they've, they've sort of come off 
that have said no to the OPL, but then they haven't actually given the community or uh, tournament organizers the tools to be able to, you know, encourage higher level gameplay, which I've been finding interesting that they just, like I said, they've left this vacuum there from just leaving and there's nothing. Mm. I think, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Presumably someone will end up running an independent league. I guess yeah. it's just a question of who, when, how big, you know, like maybe ESL steps up and does something that would probably be awesome. I think they've, you know, did it, they do a great job with CSGO uh, is my impression as an outsider. Um, yeah. And I'm sure there's a few other parties who are pretty keen to step up to the plate too. So I, I guess the concern would be, I don't want to end up with something really fragmented. I think that would be... Uh, counterproductive in the long run if we ended up with too many things going on at once at similar levels um because i think that would make it kind of quite i can see that getting political and and politics tend to obstruct um development of of, of people so yeah no no it's a shame i've i've seen that 100 percent, and it's a real shame that certain people in the esports community uh, around oceana don't see working together as a viable option they would rather do their own thing or actively try and <laughs> make someone else's uh tournament competition whatever mm. actually they do like actively try and put it down yeah i mean i'm never shame. a fan of like you know talking smack about other people and their efforts because you don't you never know you know when people have a different insight to you and they're or they're serving a different you know, a different group of people that maybe doesn't make sense to you. I mean, I've I've spent a lot of time being the person on the outside and saying, hey, I think we should be doing coaching differently. And so mm. when I disagree with people, I go, okay, well, you know, now I'm one of like the old school people. It would be very easy for me to dismiss them. But I actually think, no, like I, like I want to be challenged. I want to see other people's perspective on how we can build an ecosystem. So I would like to see you know, like a free market approach to the tournaments. Like anyone, you know, anyone who thinks they can run something, um, yeah. I would, I mean, I, you know, Riot has reasons for trying to control the broadcast to some extent. Um, and I respect that, that, you know, it's their product and stuff, but I think more people putting effort in is better and less gatekeepers is probably also better. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my position. No, no, I, I, I agree. I think the, the old guard sometimes needs to realize that, there's a lot of opinions out there and it's not just them anymore uh, especially with the OPL gone we need to be opening up to as many people as possible and competition is good in this circumstance because the more people get interested the more likely we are to actually have a good scene going forward without official support yeah we need to make a scene that works for the players and for for viewers because I think viewership numbers were kind of small compared to what they probably could be so yeah um I don't know. Like I said, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I hope that the people who have the experience have an opportunity to have input on how it works, if not get involved again. Um, and I hope everyone lands on their feet, you know, because it's not a good time to lose your job. I mean, there's no good time, but 2020 is like the worst year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can we just go back in time? Mm. So, Johnny, have you got any advice for people that are looking to get into coaching maybe just in general or if um, you've got some sort of low specific anecdotes oh yeah okay great question um i think the most important thing is just to be doing it you know like 
I didn't know what I was doing when I started, even though I had a coaching background. Like coaching league is very different to coaching any other game, which is different again to coaching a sport. You know, so I think find find people who are open to doing things differently and trying to do what you suggest, and they'll kind of approach it in a really like good faith kind of way. I think that's like a good. I got really lucky with the people I worked with early on that I was able to kind of accidentally find a bunch of people who who fit that description. And then I'd say if you're like once you've kind of got a feel for like how you like to coach, I guess you probably want to start looking for people who can give you feedback, you know, whether that's other coaches or um, players who are going to challenge you a little bit, who have like maybe you're a slightly higher skill level or they they bring a different way of thinking about things like that's going to help you improve. Um, I think I'm not sure about what the best platforms are to to get your name out right now like i don't do a lot of private coaching anymore so i just say i guess just google law coaching and then register as a coach on whatever platforms um <laughs> seem helpful or just start a discord and as you meet people you know have people join that i know a lot of coaches who have have that kind of thing it makes it easy for their students you know to to find them again if they want some more help and creates like a little community um if anyone is who's listening is like a more experienced player or maybe they're like looking at the next level of coaching. So they want to work with platinum diamond players. They want to understand how teams work and work with a bit more structure Then finding like an iron to gold team or, or like an iron to platinum team um, to work with. is probably a, or putting one together. It's probably a good way to do that. We are always looking for more coaches at lo-fi because one of my observations is that, that is the bottleneck. There is just way less coaches than there are players who are keen. So, um, yeah, if anyone, anyone wants to have a chat to me about working with us, then obviously I'm super, super happy to have that conversation. Um, but even if we are not the right fit for you, then there's a lot of other opportunities um, in Iron to Gold, etc. And what would your number one tip for players be in League of Legends? As a player since Season 1, yeah what do you think is it's not role specific but what's your number one tip yeah i think it kind of goes back to what i was saying earlier about you know the variance understand that you are like 10 to 15 percent of the variance in the game and what that means is that when you're trying to improve you're not looking for ways to make your teammates play better or worse because that's that can be a distraction you're just looking for ways that you can do your job better. And I mean, sometimes your job is to help your teammates, right? Like, if, especially if you're a support or a jungle player. But just stay focused on what you can change and what is directly within your control because that will both help you identify things that actually are worth trying to improve on and also it'll help you keep you sane. Cool. It's, uh, now we're going to move on to like another section that's like called the quick price uh, question. And it's going to start with, what's, what's your favorite food? nachos but not like just <laughs> chips and cheese like ones with proper meat okay chili beans or no chili beans yeah chili beans are fine uh, <laughs> favorite league player um oh, favorite league player probably Afromoon. what's your favorite holiday holiday destination uh the sunshine coast i like the wake park there for wakeboarding uh what color is your toothbrush black with a little bit of gold Ooh, fancy whoa that was so specific I, well, I saw it in the run sheet earlier. Oh, I, I thought about it. And it's... <laughs> Who was your favorite yeah, superhero and why? Uh, favorite superhero? I don't know. I kind of like Batman. Because he's like a normie. Except with a lot of money. His uh, superpower is just money, by the way. Yeah. 
I mean, Batman's like like actually quite problematic socially, probably. But he, he also he, has a high he, IQ as well, so that the movies helps. are cool. So, yeah. if you could be any animal, what would it be and why? Mm, maybe a dolphin. They seem like they have a lot of fun. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you prefer? Like, oh, sorry. I was gonna say they can do flips and stuff. Like, <laughs> pretty on brand. Yeah. Do you prefer to play console or PC? Um, I don't actually have a strong preference, but I've never owned a console. Hey, so, PC. So, re- re- reveal preference is PC, but I don't have strong emotions about it. Do you love or hate Teemo? I've never played Teemo. Out of principle. So I hate him. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, only champion in the game I've never played. i just been told, I don't know who Teemo is, I just know he's a meme. <laughs> I'm still learning that. When you, it's because you don't play top lane. If you played top lane, you would understand. Or support. Sometimes support. Alright, well, yeah, okay. So I haven't seen one of those in my game for years, but, you know, theoretically it's possible. We need to play sometime. Uh, <laughs> anyway, queue, up, queue up and see what not, happens. Not that I've played Teemo before. I'm j- I, don't, like, I don't actually. <laughs> thank but, you uh, for that, Johnny. No that worries, was really thank cool you. To, uh, yeah, no, it was really cool. I, I think you see you got some notes from that. Actually, I did. I actually, like, uh, I got lost uh, for a while just listening to you around the first, uh, first section of it, because, yeah, Coaching is just something that I've been leaning towards and just to hear someone that is coaching in a pro league, even though it's a different um, game, it's still pretty much the same principles um, on what you do. Um, so yeah, it's just been quite enlightening to actually hear, uh, hear from someone else that actually is doing the job. Yeah, well, not anymore, but oh. yeah, I'm always I'm always interested to hear like the other side as well. Like, you know, I worked with the Valorant team for a little while and... Um, worked with the Chiefs Rocket League team a couple of years ago. Um, they were. It, I, I feel like I, I learned so much about coaching by being exposed to a slightly different environment where I'm not the expert in the room. So I'm always keen to talk about how other people do it. And the Fnatic coach you mentioned who's like created a bunch of pathways, I'd be super interested to hear a bit more about what they're doing sometime or have a chat to them because maybe I could learn a thing or two. Yeah, um, I will. I'll send you his details <laughs> to, his, uh, yeah. to his Twitter. Perfect. <laughs> I'll DM for you and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, do you know undercover? You're like, oh yeah, he's my boy from back in the days. Not really, but um, he probably would deny it. But yeah, <laughs> that's rough, man. <laughs> I hope you guys sort that out sometime soon. So moving on to some news. All right, we're going to start with a bit of esports. So Damwon Gaming uh, played off against G Two, and was a three one, no four one. 3-1. 3-1. So the fourth match um, was a dominant, like they dominated the game. 19, just under 19 minutes in the for the fourth round. And I, I was sitting there trying to understand what was happening. And my two flatmates were just laughing at how dominant uh, Dan 1 was being in the fourth round. And yeah, I think the closest, um, the fastest match ever played was 16 minutes something, three seconds. And at Worlds? Yeah, I think it's that Worlds. I think that's yeah, like okay. a few years ago now. Yeah. So yeah, so for that to finish up in 19 minutes, um, yeah, it was actually great to see. There was, um, I've been following, just like the first Worlds, I've kind of been in and out following and trying to learn a lot more about LoL. And yeah, it's actually really interesting. We have found out that GameStop has accidentally made a lot of games free or close to free with the Nintendo Switch, for example, being $4 very briefly. Uh, the bad news is that the glitch was actually fixed relatively quickly. 
Uh, I'm not too sure if any of our American listeners got in on this, but that sounds like a bloody good deal to me. $4 for a Switch. Jesus Christ, we're paying, what, five twenty for a Switch over here these days? They're practically paying you to take it at that point. Yeah. I didn't realise things had gotten so bad for Nintendo. Oh, I suppose that ties in quite nicely to our uh, Switch party coming up this weekend. Genshin Impact is making an impact on the Chinese game industry. And this is actually quite a popular one at the moment. They were playing it at Armageddon this weekend. I mean, I haven't really had a look at it. It looks, uh, looks a bit um, weird to me, but Weebs. I don't know. Do you guys play it? Weebs will love it. So shout out to Loki. Um, he's been playing. No, he does not get any shout outs. Shout out to Loki. He has been playing <laughs> this nonstop. Uh, I've been streaming. I've been watching him play. And if you love the Weeb life, it is a great watch. Play, watch people play. Bloody Loki, man. Honestly, it just means that you're in denial that that's something that you're interested in. <laughs> you should just go find some entry level anime. I, I watch a lot of anime. I love uh, anime. Uh, Maybe not in denial then. <laughs> <laughs> more me. <laughs> I watch more. I went to Armageddon, right, and there was just all these costumes, and I was asking them out. I'm like, who are all these people? Did you get one of those body pillows? No, they're not allowed to sell them anymore. Really? I'm pretty sure they're not. Because that's like, oh, well, I can get some that are like safe. <laughs> oh, safe's the right word. <laughs> yeah, no. It's socially acceptable. Socially acceptable, yeah, yeah. To be sold in a public space. <laughs> it's a, you know, it's a thing. If it makes you happy. Have you been to Armageddon? Uh, I have been once in Auckland. Down in Wellington a couple of years ago, they had four booths with body pillows. And it was quite ridiculous seeing that many. In a hey man, convention. it's a free market. Each to their own, oh, Ranger. Give the people what they want. Hey, some judgment from me, but... Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. If there's demand for it, sell it. All right, Lunar Gaming Service has released, which is just for America at this stage. Lunar Gaming Service is part of Amazon, which is also a competitor to Stadia Cloud Gaming Service, which is actually, it's really interesting that Amazon is pushing this because I haven't heard too much about Stadia apart from... A little bit of news that we've got later on. Actually, we could talk about now. It's uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising, the demo you can actually play on Stadia, and it is streamed to the console, which is a very interesting way of getting demos into consumers' hands, is being able to stream them. And I wonder if this is what Amazon is going for as well, to be able to just open up the market a little bit more and get games into people's hands. Strange, man. Like, dreaming. It's kind of interesting to me. Sorry, just on that. It's kind of interesting to me that um, Amazon and... Because Stadia is by Google, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Amazon and Google are the ones who are doing... And Microsoft, right? Microsoft, I think they're doing something similar. XCloud, yeah. Yeah, so the three provide the three biggest providers of cloud computing are the ones that are doing the service. So it's not like a game publisher move. Like, Steam isn't doing it. But the people who already have the infrastructure... So like AWS, Google Cloud, and uh, Azure, the ones who have already invested like billions and billions and billions of dollars in yeah. building all of these servers, they're the ones that have gone for this play. So that tells me that it's like a, they have some expertise or the fact that they've invested in this makes them uniquely well positioned to like make this a service. So 
kind of oh, makes absolutely. sense. I think that Microsoft's doing really well in that space with the the xCloud and also they've got Game Pass mm. to be able to include in that. Stadia, the I've heard a little bit of some complaints about the latency and also the amount of games on it. And oh sorry, also the payment system. So you actually have to pay there's a free version and then you've got to pay for the games as well. But then there's also a paid version, but you don't get the games as well. So what? yes. Like with my, I think that's why Microsoft is so much more appealing is because you can pay a certain amount and I think it's for Game Pass Ultimate you get game streaming as well. It's not quite ready, but like you, you will be getting that in the future. Mm. So I can see why you know the Microsoft service is so much more appealing. But it'll be interesting to see what Amazon does with Luna. Such a strange name as well. God. I honestly like the Microsoft Game Pass. It's actually so good. Amazing, eh? All right, the PlayStation 5 is reportedly finally being sent to the press for previews and reviews. So this is after Xbox has actually dominated the headlines recently with their next generation Series X. But we haven't heard anything about PlayStation 5, which is very odd because last generation, they were basically all anyone could speak about. But of course, we all know that that was partly Xbox's fault with their whole reveal debacle and oh my god, let's not relive 2013. Actually, no, let's go back to 2013 because 2020 is so much worse. But then you'll have to do 2020 again in seven years. So maybe we should just fast forward instead. Oh, okay, so go... We'll just, but we don't know how long this is going to last. It's just all 2020 until it's over. <laughs> There's even, no if it takes, even if it takes five years. <laughs> We're stopping time, alright? Uh, Fortnite. What's going on with Fortnite? Okay, so they're doing what a couple of other developers are, are cracking on with, which is reducing, the, well, they're releasing patches to reduce the game sizes on PC. And this is really good because games have been getting larger. The latest Call of Duty Warzone, Ooh. I think it's cracking almost 200, might be 100. Last I knew it was about 180. Whoa. <laughs> Oh wait, that's almost the same size as uh, an entry level SSD. <laughs> mm. This is my SSD for COD. This yeah. is my SSD for Fortnite. <laughs> like, yeah, that's pretty crazy to think about. They would get expensive real fast. Fortunately, SSDs are getting a lot cheaper. So I think, well, not the Xbox version one, uh, which is about like six hundred bucks. But Oof. I think you can get like a entry level SSD about. What, like 100 bucks New Zealand now? That's pretty good. Mm. Oh, man. I remember back in the day when I was thinking about an SSD for the OS. And, I mean, that made sense back in the day. So you just got a smaller SSD and then you got a larger hard drive. Mm. But that was probably about 300 bucks for a 175, 250, around there. So I think prices are fantastic these days. All right, we talked a little bit about Immortals Phoenix Rising from Ubisoft, the demo which you can actually play on Stadia right now. And moving on to some more xCloud news, the Xbox chief, which is, oh my God, I forget his name, Aaron Greenberg. No, Phil Spencer, he's the right one. He has talked a little bit about a bundled TV stick 
with the Xbox. So this would, I assume, would be to be able to play uh, TV and movies through that, which, I mean, that just sounds like a Chromecast, but for your Xbox. There you are, folks. And finally, we are talking a little bit about the latest Halo news, which has not gone down well, and that is in relation to colours of your customization, your Spartan customizations. So it looks like they are removing colors from the game and they are moving to a Destiny style system, which is shaders in Destiny, I believe. Really? Yeah. So you've got to like try and get them somehow. It's uh On Destiny they come as drops or like rewards. Yeah, yeah that's that's different. Like I I would be upset about that too, to be honest. There's been, I mean, there's not been as much backlash as the Star Wars Battlefront 2 microtransaction thing that had, I'm pretty sure it was the most downvoted thing of all time on Reddit, which is pretty phenomenal because Donald Trump things still get posted there quite a lot. (laughs) But yeah, this is crazy for Halo. Like, this is a developer that is trying to bring the community on side. And I just read some leaks before that they're doubling down on it. So. If it if they change it, uh, you know, kudos to them for listening to the community. If they don't, you know, what is? I'm still gonna play it because I love Halo. Halo fanboy. <laughs> it's a lifestyle. It is. It is. It's. You know, I've been playing it since I was. I, I can't actually much for that. I love your passion for Halo. It's. It's like you. I I, I I got like. Oh, you like, like always go on about Rainbow Six. That's what I say. I can't hate on yeah. you because the way I'm passionate about Siege is what I see in you and Halo. So like, I can't knock you for that. Like, it's awesome to see someone passionate about their game. Thank you, UC. I love you too. All right, that's the the news for this week. Really, just quickly wanted to talk a little bit about what we're UC and I are going to be doing this weekend on <laughs> the thirty first. I know you're excited, UC. Oh, I'm, I'm I'm excited as. <laughs> it's going to be a great day. So we've got a, a switch party coming up this weekend at Wellington Sports Cafe. It's going to be in Wellington, New Zealand. So unfortunately, for those outside of New Zealand, you won't be able to come unless you come for a, a two weeks quarantine, which you can't right now because it's the 25th when we're recording this. But that's <laughs> going to be happening from 2 p.m. We're going to be playing switch games all day. And it's a bar event, so there's going to be cheap drinks and food. I've worked so bloody hard to get these cheap drinks, thanks to Jägermeister and Red Bull. Oh my Should god. Should just drop my name in there. Wellington Sports oh. uh, Cafe knows me. From in, Do like, they? Uh, well, I think this been the... In a good way? I'm pretty sure that, <laughs> that was where Public used you to got, be. They changed it to Wellington Sports out. Cafe. I actually didn't get kicked out. That was actually like my, like my first club that I used to always go to at the start of the night. And I got on really well with the bouncers. They probably won't recognize me and they will recognize my face as that person dancing on stage showing off my Michael Jackson moves. Oh, bro, no, this is move. This is down another street now. I know the one you're talking about. Oh, no, but you sit down Blair Street now, eh? Yeah. So it's, it's slightly smaller, but it's still really good in there. They've got like a massive screen that will be on playing some Switch games all day. I reckon it's going to be a pretty fun day. And we've got some giveaways as well. We've got a $600 snowboard from Jägermeister. What? They just gave me a snowboard. Come on, legit, way. let me, like, can we fix that so I can just take it for a joyride? <laughs> well, we can't now because you just told everyone. <laughs> I'll use an <laughs> alias. Johnny, we're going to give it to you and then you give it to UC, okay? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do I have to be there to enter? No. Nah. Okay, I'll, I'll, 
welcome. I'll wait until you. It's all good. <laughs> you didn't like the snowboard or just turn up at your door. <laughs> what the fuck is this? I actually have a snowboard, but it's back home in Auckland. So. Uh, do you do much like skiing than snowboarding? Uh, a little bit. I mean, I, I used to live about half an hour away from Snow Planet. So go, to, <laughs> go do that sometimes. Um, Snow Planet. Yeah. I thought you were going to be like, oh, yeah, a half hour away from the mount or something. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Nothing so convenient. Yeah. Um, no, a lot of wakeboarding, though. Get me behind a boat. I'm very happy. Nice. Kind of the same concept. Can't yeah. break your arm as easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The water hurts a lot less when you fall over. Um, although it Fun. still hurts. Upcoming releases uh, for this month. We've got Watch Dogs Legion, October 29th. Assassin's Creed Valhalla, uh, around the same date, which is November 10th. Oh, that's the same day that uh, the Series X comes out. I'm pretty sure. On to November. Yeah, November 10th. We've also got Cyberpunk 2077 coming out later in November. Uh, is there anything else that you're looking forward to, UC? Honestly, I'm just stuck on old school RuneScape. So uh, <laughs> get, get on that buzz, honestly. All right. But, well, we've also got Call of Duty Black Ops in November. But we'll be talking about that a little bit more. Have you have you watched some of the um the beta of it? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. I, again, like we we did a review on this before, like a pre-review on this ringer, um, couple podcasts ago, and it does look nice. But again, it's just like a reskin cod. Like it's the same thing. Hey I, I, I I feel like they yeah. what they need to do is something similar to like Siege, and instead of bringing it out every year, just bring out more content. And like, just make it like, pay like a paywall if you want, but just keep the same thing going because I find having like me personally, I hate having to start my own like, uh, profile again and again and again. Like, I would like like a whole progression from like season one all the way through, showing like I was there from like this game onwards and like I got this banner from this season. Like, instead of having to buy the same cod over and over each year oh one thing i forgot to mention uh doom eternal the ancient gods has actually come out already five days ago now i still haven't got around to playing it but that looks really fun i need to get onto that massive doom player it's too scary for me <laughs> I, playing it. I played a demo once at a convention uh, not the most recent doom probably something else but yeah it was i do not do well with spooky <laughs> have you played any like scary games uh no not really you don't know. Know. Yeah. Uh, not not my cup of tea. I probably the closest I've done is I played a lot of Dying Light back when that oh, came yeah. out. Yeah. Nice. And that was like that's about as much as I can cope with. I used to time. stream uh, Alien Isolation and <laughs> No, thank you. That was scary, man. You oh, guys ever heard of Slenderman? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh bro. That game was awesome. <laughs> Alright. That brings us to the end of this week's podcast. Thank you so much, Johnny, for joining us. Um, where can our lovely listeners find you? Probably Twitter is the best place. Like I said, Annie, uh, at Johnny Weatherly. Uh, J-O-N-N-Y-W-E-A-T-H-E-R-L-Y. Fantastic. Get out there, give him a follow. Make sure you listen to him. If you are a LOL player, definitely get in touch with him. Even a coach as well. He's got some good stuff to tell you. Thank you so much again. That's us for this week. Next week, we're going to be talking with the fantastic Prawlin. Isn't that right, UC? Got to confirm. But they've been nearly got him. We're gonna hook the prawlin out from the sea. But we'll get there. Taking our shrimp boat. <laughs> but yeah, again, thank you, Johnny, for coming on and do appreciate this. No worries, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening. 
We're going to see you same time, same place next week.